Bum, 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 bum. It's cold outside, there's no kind of atmosphere, I'm all alone, more or less. Let me fly far away from here. Fun, 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 in the sun, sun, sun. I want to lie, shipped wrecked and comatose, drinking fresh mango juice. Goldfish shows nibbling at my toes. Fun, fun, fun. In the sun, sun, sun. Fun, fun, fun. In the sun, sun, sun. Hello, Smegheads. My name's Jed Shepherd. And I'm Daniela Phillips. Thanks very much for joining us once again for Smokeheads, the Red Dwarf podcast. How are you, my co-host, Daniela? Uh, <laughs> I'm good, my co-host, Jed. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm all fixed. Yay! Fixed. When I you ha- say fixed, your, your mouth's in working <laughs> not, order. Not fixed, is it? <laughs> I've had the snip. <laughs> Had the snip. What's going on? Don't they usually say that to dogs? Yeah. No, actually, what I can't remember what what happened to your mouth. So I had an operation on my mouth. Um, yeah. It had some complications. Ah, okay. Are they disgusting? Uh, a little bit. Oh, I won't really? go into detail. Okay, um, so yeah, I went to the hospital a couple of times, um, but I went back today for my checkup. And they were very pleased, so I've been discharged. You're a miracle of modern medicine. I am a miracle of science. (laughs) That is true. Is there any danger that your stitches might split? Did you get stitches? I did get stitches. I got stitches internally and externally. I don't even know how that works. That's disgusting. In my nose. In your nose? (laughs) Where my sinuses are, yeah. What's going on? Yeah, it was a pretty full-on operation. Wow. Yeah. Um, I've still got the one. I, I don't. I don't know about the inside ones. I've not seen them. But I've still got some of the outside ones, like in my mouth. Jeez, Louise! Yeah, serious stuff. Yeah, um, um, I was a very brave soldier. Yeah. And uh, what have I been doing? Thanks for asking, Daniela. Well, you Once know, again. I mean, everybody's got a pal in comparison to that. <laughs> um, did the live show for another post-pop podcast, which Monkey Tennis. Uh, thank you. If there's some kind of crossover, thank you for for uh, coming to that. It was really good. We had Simon Greenall, who plays Michael the Geordie. He came along and was mental. He was actually mental. <laughs> Could not control that guy. Um, but that episode is going out actually today. So when you listen to this, you'll also be listening to the Monkey Tennis uh, live at the Prince Charles Cinema in London featuring Michael the Geordie. But listen to this one first. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, they have to to know yeah. to listen to the other but one. But they might start in, they might stop and, and go and listen to the Monkey Tennis. Do you think they would? Tennis. Probably not. They're not no. that fickle. Come no. on, the Red Dwarf Come fans. On, yeah. Um, so this uh, episode we're talking about today is the fourth episode uh, of Series 12 of Red Dwarf. And it was broadcast about a month ago, November the 2nd. Yep, sorry. It's my fault, we're late. No, it's fine. It's fine. I think <laughs> if... Um, Time to digest it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. If, if people hear a reaction straight away, people can think it, it, it's, it's possibly like a snap judgment, like a hot take. I'm not, I'm not about hot takes. No, I'm about no. letting it rest, letting it settle, we're, let uh, the dust yeah. die down. Is that the phrase? Yeah. <laughs> let something die down anyway. <laughs> and uh, appreciate it for what it is yeah. instead of all that kind of hype yeah. around it. And I'm glad, I'm glad I did. Because, spoilers, these next three episodes are awesome. And oh my goodness, <laughs> did I not need these after the last one? <laughs> the last episode <laughs> just ruined my faith in, in not only Red Dwarf, but in humanity. I, in TV, yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, this is the, can you guess, can, have you guess how many Red Dwarf episodes there have been so far? Uh, 70. If this is the 71st no! episode of Red Dwarf. No, seriously. You're good. You're good. Okay, you're good, Daniela. Boom. 
boom. You are good. So maybe that operation was to <laughs> yeah, gave you some magic powers <laughs> or something. Intelligent, finally. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so this is the 71st episode of Red Dwarf, um, came out about a month ago on Dave, um, and it's called Mechocracy. And I think before, um, the series started, we kind of had predictions about what yeah. this might mean. Yeah. And I think we were relatively kind of close. Minus it, the space world. Minus the space world. Yeah. I mean, it's quite obvious, um, from the title that it's going to be about something to do with mechanoid, something to do with all mechanical things and yeah. politics, perhaps. Um, I, di- I didn't get the politics from the title. Did you not? No. The ocracy bit, did you not? Yeah. Yeah, but I still no, I okay. didn't get that. I don't, I don't, think, I don't. Yeah, I don't think we mentioned anything political in our. But yeah, but people are not going to rewind back and, and listen to it. <laughs> okay, then. Yes, yeah, we nailed we it. Jen. We no- absolutely called it <laughs> on the nose. Um, so shall we dive straight into this episode? Let's do it. Feet first. <laughs> okay, so this one was quite quite a good setup. So this one starts off with Crichton. He's basically sitting in uh, the dorm rooms, being very still. Um, <laughs> I love this. This made me laugh a lot. It's a real funny setup. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Rimmer walks in and Rimmer asks him what he's doing, and Crichton tells him um, he's waiting for less <laughs> for lessons from Lister on patience. Um, and you can kind of tell that something's possibly amiss here. Maybe Lister is kind of trolling Crichton a little bit and yeah, making him Yeah, or teaching wait. him the benefit of patience yeah. by keeping him waiting. But yeah. knowing Crichton, he'll probably wait forever because he's a mechanoid and he, he will always do what, what Dave tells him to do. Um, so Rem was like, hang on, hang on, I'll, I'll teach you to, to, to be patient. Uh, and obviously... Rimmer isn't a very patient patient person, no. and that's yeah, and that's the joke, of course. Um, so they, so Crichton kind of engineers a situation where, in order for Rimmer to teach Crichton patience, Rimmer um, has to um, basically take up Crichton's cleaning cleaning work, and he's starting to clean the corridors um, yep, of, of Red Dwarf. Mopping the floors. Yeah, and I mean, is this of? I mean, even in sh- as an example to show Crichton what to do, would Rimmer ever do this? Would he ever? No. No, not yeah. really. Um, a little bit out of character. Yeah, it seemed a very strange lesson. For yeah, me. it did. Yeah, it did. a little bit forced, just to put <laughs> him in this situation. But then we kind of get the payoff in it in a bit. Yeah, where um, quite quickly actually, you, you don't did. have to wait to the end of the episode <laughs> this time. Well, basically, Lister turns up and um, kind of lets it lets the. Uh, goose out of the bag is that is that the phrase cat out of the bag bag. where am I getting the goose (laughs) from oh I know it's because it's almost Christmas that's why (laughs) so he lets the cat out of the bag and you notoriously eat geese at Christmas at Christmas yeah I don't know. And cats in this episode. I don't know why I couldn't think of the word cat. Um, So anyway, so the lesson, in fact, wasn't about patience. It was about manipulation. Mm. Um, So Rimmer realises he's been had. He's been tricked. And he's been tricked by Crichton, which is even worse. And that makes him even more hacked off because he's used to Lister. He's used to Lister, like, tricking him and and trolling him the whole time. But not Crichton. So he's even more pissed off that he's let a mechanoid uh, (laughs) get the better of him. So he condemns Crichton to um, some PD. Do you remember what PD stands for? No, I don't. Come on. I don't. I didn't write it down. No, no, they didn't say in this episode. It's just in general in Red Dwarf. Oh. uh, Paint duty. Oh, okay. Remember that from, like, series one? Series two? Three years ago, Jed. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. When did we start this podcast, by the way? (laughs) I think it was about three years ago. ago. Oh, man. I know. We've done like 50-odd episodes, haven't we? Something like that. We've done too many. 42. I'm going to say 42. Okay. You're usually quite good at this, based on (laughs) five minutes ago. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So, we have Crichton. 
um, having to do these chores as as punishment. And to be fair, is it really punishment? We've discussed this before. Is it punishment for Crichton? Because he loves doing cleaning. Yeah, yeah. He tries to break his programming. Exactly. He he loves... And that raison d'etre word will come back in a, in a bit later in this episode, mm. um, which you might have forgot, but okay. <laughs> because it, it, it harks hey. back to... Um, series four and series two um so yeah so we have we see Crichton cleaning up uh, one of the decks um and he's cleaning a, a big kind of monitor that has the flashing words yellow alert yes question daniela yes do you know what yellow alerts are in real life i do oh go for it then you look <laughs> suddenly you, you look like you you've, so what, what, what exactly are you asking me again Jess? i'm asking you what yellow alerts are Yellow alert means that someone's in danger, but it's not you. Oh, in the context of Red Dwarf, yes. yeah, yeah. But in real life, oh. well, see, you were paying attention. That's good. But in in real life, what does yellow? What's yellow alert? Where's it from? What's it used for? Uh, I don't know because um, traffic lights are amber; they're not yellow. Correct. Yeah. Um, you don't get any points for that. Let's <laughs> 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 just name the things that actually are. <laughs> so I don't know. Okay. So I looked into this because I was like, yellow alert, okay. where that's from. And it's one of the those instances where Red Dwarf has just copied Star Trek, basically. Oh, okay. Um, it's a Star Trek reference. So it's not yeah. real life. Well, a couple of... Um, that's why l- I wanted you to clarify statement. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, basically, in the last episode, they copied... Doctor Who, Hook, yeah. Line, Sinker. Yeah. This episode, they've ripped that off from uh, Star Trek, which okay, is fine because fine. Star Trek, I think, has ripped off bits of Red Dwarf too. Um, one of those cases of maybe parallel thinking, who knows. Um, so I looked into what yellow alerts are um, and it's not the text you send your boyfriend if you've pissed yourself and you need them to bring you new pants. Jed! It's not Jed, that. People might think that's what yellow alert. Why would anyone ever do that? Because you know, you might have like you're on a train or something. You're dying to go. A train's stuck in the tunnel. You p- you'd be pissed yourself, and you get out of the tunnel, and you're like, oh. "But I wouldn't be texting my boyfriend. I'd text my best friend or my mom." Okay, but that's a yellow <laughs> alert. So you should be. Cause, so this should be the thing, right? If you text someone yellow alert, they should know to bring you some pants <laughs> wherever you are. And if it's a brown alert, that's bring two pairs of pants. Oh no! So that's <laughs> that's, that's a yellow terrible. alert. But that's not not only it. So in 2015, I think it was, um, the somewhere in America, they tried to make because you know they have amber alerts when yes, a child has been abducted. Been abducted correct, yeah. yeah. So they wanted to do a thing called yellow alerts, um, which is similar to a child abduction, but a hit and run. If there's been a hit and run, um, they they would put out a yellow alert with the license plate, etc. But that didn't take off, unfortunately. But I think that's a really good idea. But I'm guessing in a lot of hit and runs, I don't get the license plate number. Not always. You can maybe just say there's been a hit and run in this area. Look out for this model car. Possibly. I don't know. Maybe that's why it didn't take off. It was Mm. a lot of admin, basically. Um... So yeah, so back to Red Dwarf. Um, in the um, main control room, uh, the crew are there and they basically discover that the ship is going towards a black hole. And this setup happens a lot in Red Dwarf. Yeah. Um, and uh, the reason why that's happening is because there's an SOS virus. Um, and the SOS virus is one of those kind of, I think it's based on a real life virus. There's, um, I, I imagine there was some sort of virus like this because it sounded like something that would go around. Yeah, so it's basically one of the, it's like a virus that's asking for help, um, 
and you download it and it affects your computer and it kind of tricks you. It kind of like hits you where your your kind spot is, if that's not um, f- disgusting enough. So um, it tricks good people. Because yeah. like they, they were... Vulnerable. Vulnerable, but good people. Because yeah. someone nasty like Rimmo just would, would ignore it because he doesn't want to help anybody. Mm. Um, so someone else is in trouble. Um, I'm sorry, that, I mean, Red Dwarf isn't heading towards a black hole. The ship that they're after yeah. is heading towards a black hole, which in theory means Red Dwarf is heading for that black hole if they're heading to help it. Um, and Rimmer is loving it. He is rubbing his hands with glee because he loves the fact that other people are in trouble. He yeah. just likes watching. He's the kind of guy that just watch, watches car crashes um, or like the scene of a car crash and watches the accident to see any bits of blood. He's a rubbernecker. Yeah, one of those. Or when you see people on their phone walking towards a lamppost and you kind of just, shall I warn them? Nah. And you see them hit a lamppost, which has happened to me once. Really? R- yeah, really badly. <laughs> like, like I was I was on my phone texting um, and then I was, and then I thought, oh, I'm in a real rush. And I l- looked up, about to like leap, to like run a little bit, slammed straight into a, into a lamppost really hard and smashed my head. Ouch. Like never been the same since, really. Um, <laughs> oh. um, so basically, they they um, things are going wrong because the SOS virus is affecting Red Dwarf, and in fact, it's affecting it so much they need to bail ship. They need to evacuate Red Dwarf, which they've done a bunch of times too. Um, but before they do that, um, I, that, Rimmer and Lister have this really funny conversation about um, demotion and promotion. Yeah, do you remember that? Yeah, okay, yeah, I <laughs> yes, I do remember that. <laughs> it's just a little minute details of what initials stand for. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I've actually watched the episode. Yeah, but no, I think it's it's really funny because you know that uh, Rimmer's trying to get the best of of Lister, but usually Lister gets the best of Rimmer. So it's just that to and fro, which yeah. kind of harks back to classic Red Dwarf. It's really funny just seeing these two, and like I always think of Red Dwarf. This this. The, the main reason for um, for the kind of narrative of Red Dwarf, the main kind of impetus of Red Dwarf, should I say, is to get back to Earth or get back to yeah. a time when Lister can, can like be on Earth, basically. Um, that's the kind of main thing. But the actual, if you think about it, the, maybe the overriding narrative is how to cope in space with your nemesis. And Lister and Rimmer are yes. the ultimate kind of nemesis, nemesi, um, and that's to me that is more important than them getting to Earth. It's the relationship and the journey between between yes. the two central characters, which that's we'll, much more which interest- we'll see in the final episode. We as do, well. and this and this is what I love about series twelve. Like we didn't really get so much in series eleven. In series twelve, I feel like the dynamic between Liston and Rimmer is explored to its like maximum. And the writing is superb. The writing, yeah, it's so good. You, you're hundred percent right. Yeah, this episode and the, ne- the, next, the next couple, couple yeah, I was the just so impressed. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's funny because it just harks back to like classic Red Dwarf series one to five. It could slot in right in there, mm. like these next three episodes. Um, and yeah, it's just just the banter between them, is just excellent, and just like the one-upmanship and the trying to outdo each other. It's just brilliant. It's just really really good. Um, so anyway, so they they need to evacuate the shipping and. Uh, and they do that by going on to Starbug, which is their uh, always their plan B. And they have to fill it with their um, bits and bobs. And they do that trick once again, if they only take the essentials. And of course, Cat brings a yeah. whole ton of stuff. His luggage looks like looked like it came from Primark. 
<laughs> What's wrong with Primark? Nothing. I was going to say. <laughs> you said it like that with some disdain. No, there. nothing. I shop at Primark. Okay. Um, but his luggage looked like it came from Primark. It possibly did. <laughs> yeah, I think it did. <laughs> Went to because um, it was filmed in um, Pinewood, so they probably just bought it from the Slough Primark. I'm guessing. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, he had a lot. Had a lot of luggage, and I mean that's the whole thing about Cat. He's very vain. Um, and I, I don't know if. I mean, we see it explored a little bit in 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 the next few episodes, the, the kind of progression of Cat since we mm. first met him. Um, and do you think... No, actually, no. He hasn't progressed since... His character, he's still very vain. He's still self-obsessed, cares more about himself than other people, uh, which we saw in the very first episode. He's, he's psychotic, really. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, so they get their, their stuff together. And, and while going through... Um, little kind of like basket that Lister puts on top of uh, cat stuff he notices some glasses yeah and i think does Lister say that he find he's found that in one of the quarters or something it doesn't it doesn't know whose it is um and then we see cat try it on and he's like wow i can see the squiggly words again <laughs> um which which makes me think is this the only thing that's been holding cat back this whole time possibly um <laughs> it was like when i got glasses <laughs> for the first time and i went home and i said to my mum wow, I can see the blades of grass. And she was like, <laughs> what did you see before? I was like, just green. See, this is the thing with me. Like, So I, I need glasses or contact lenses. I never wear them. I've got contact lenses. I've got it right here at Post Pop HQ, but I just never wear them. See, I've got ones in permanently. Do you? Yeah, permanently? Sleep, yeah, sleep in them. I only take them out once a month. And okay, them. that yeah. doesn't get itchy or like... No, I don't feel them. Try right, okay. But like, I'm, I don't know if I want to see the world in like perfect vision because the world's horrible. I like seeing it with kind of like Rose with that. tinted sunglasses. Yeah, it's like an Instagram filter. I see the world <laughs> with an Instagram filter, like vintage. Vintage. <laughs> vintage filter. Everything's really cool and retro. Um, but so I was, I was thinking about this quite, quite hard. Um, and the question is to you, Daniel, do you yes. think that glasses actually make you look nerdy? No. No. Depending on the glasses. So, you know. I do think that might look, make you look more intelligent, but I wouldn't use the word nerdy. Is that, is that a real thing? Because obviously, in like TV shows, and we've seen it on, on TV shows ranging from uh, like Fresh Prince of Bel Air, like he doesn't want want anyone to know he's wearing glasses because he won't, won't be cool anymore. Or you see it in like I don't know, tons of like TV sitcoms. It's a, it's a trope that if you wear glasses, you'll be considered nerdy. It goes back to Scooby Doo, even like Velma with his, with the glasses. And I think there was one episode where she takes it off, and everyone thinks she's really hot. <laughs> like, is, is it true to life? Do you do do you feel there's a correlation between people who wear glasses and people who are actually intelligent? Because for sure, I know people who wear glasses that are not intelligent. No, that's <laughs> true. But I will say that on the days I don't wear my contacts and I wear my glasses, I do feel more intelligent do you yeah i do so maybe it's like a, like a placebo effect yeah maybe possibly um but then that i i delved further into the black hole which is glasses <laughs> okay obviously and, but also glasses in space oh gosh is there a quiz coming so never let anyone say <laughs> that we don't do research here on the smoke as red wolf podcast so so i was looking into this are there because i was thinking okay if, if cat doesn't like glasses why doesn't he wear contacts yeah and i was think, thinking I was thinking of the physics of it. If you wear contacts in space, do they dry out because of the vacuum of space? Possibly, because I... I, <laughs> I went to space. Is that I went say? to space. No, <laughs> I get really affected in the summer because there's so much air conditioning. On. Okay. 
and, and it in dries space. my eyes out. It's so all I can imagine air in space it'd be even worse. <laughs> yeah. so that's the logic behind my reasoning. Well, I, I went to NASA to look at oh, uh, this, <laughs> to, to look into this, um, and because they, they answer like people's questions. So someone called Kathy Taylor, age 25, asked mission specialist Mark Garneau, she asked a question, can an astronaut wear contacts in space? And would an individual qualify to be an astronaut without 2020 vision? Yes, I, that's what my, was what I was going to say. And NASA came back to her and said, the answer is yes, you can wear contacts in space. Some astronauts do wear them. And to become an astronaut, if you're going to become a pilot astronaut, you have to have better than 20 over 70 vision distance. And it has to be correctable to 2020. If you want to become a mission specialist, the other kind of astronaut, your vision requires requirements are 20 over 200 once again correctable to 2020 so you don't have to have perfect vision to become an astronaut you just need to get the correction to make you have 2020 but you can't vision. be colorblind that's fair enough really but isn't most things in space monochrome because all those pictures of space i um, nasa touched them up to make them look red and brown and stuff but uh, presumably the buttons are different colors do you think it's like a red button that says lift off <laughs> and one and like a green one that says land. <laughs> but no, you, you are I'm sure you're right. I am right. I, I do know right. that. Um uh yeah, and if I'm clever enough, right here you'll hear an actual astronaut talk about contact lenses in space. Well there you go. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> what? There you go, yeah. Let's play my mind. Yeah. So um yeah, so Kat it, he can actually get away with wearing contacts if he wants to so that that one's for free uh grant uh, uh doug naylor sorry grant. <laughs> grant. Grant Mitchell. <laughs> um okay <laughs> so they're about to about to go on on, on starboard starboard the starboard <laughs> bow onto starbug i'm still ship reference i'm still half right oh, i'm drinking this monster energy drink and it's got me crazy um so uh yeah so they're about to go on to uh Starbug, um but then the dispensing machines start getting a bit start asking questions and yeah. the dispensing machines ask okay so who's don't forget when you pack me up to take me uh, on this evacuation of the ship don't forget to like uh, wrap me up in 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 cotton wool essentially um and so they assume that they're coming along as well yeah all the machines are they're important members yeah. of the team because in, in, in like the ship's procedure like processes and procedures yeah. that you have to take um, all machines with you when you evacuate you, and you have to wrap them up nicely. Um, but Rimmer, because he is the um, the authority on the ship, because, well, technically, um, he says that they won't. And Lister's kind of winding him up, so he kind of says that. I think he took quite... He took great pleasure in in saying that as well. He did, but then what happens next is something that I don't know why they haven't utilised it before. I'm not sure why Crichton didn't mention it before. The fact that the processing power of all the machines aboard Red Dwarf, knowing that they will die, mm. um, they use their their combined processing power to stop the virus. Yeah, which is great. Which was great, which means the crew can stay on Red Dwarf. Everything's tickety-boo. Mm. But actually nothing is tickety-boo because um, they are now a little bit more self-aware. Yes. And they are angry at the fact that they're going to be left behind. Um, so they turn off all electricity on the ship, all they machines. They strike. Which essentially means on a, on a 23rd century ship in the year 3,023 
thousand, um, twenty-three hundred. You have a ship that has no food, no water, no lights. They're essentially gonna die. They're in. Yeah, they're very reliant. Yeah. I think this makes them more aware of how reliant they have been. Exactly. This is one of the themes of Red Dwarf. Um, one of the many themes of Red Dwarf, the fact that how reliant we are on machines, which mm. is explored in the next episode too. Yes. Um, so, and this reminds me of Marooned when they're just without... Oh, really? Yeah. It reminds me a bit of 2001 Space Odyssey. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Again, so does the next episode as well. Yes. There's a kind of a similar <laughs> thing. Um, so yeah, so they, they're they having to deal with the fact that they're going to basically die and they're going to have no oxygen mm-hmm. um, if they don't manage to sort this situation out. So we see them kind of like talking about it and we see Crichton walk in and say, okay, guys, I've, I've spoken to the machines. Uh, they're going to give us back all of our um, electricity and lights, etc. Um, but they want to be heard and they want someone to represent their rights going forward. Sarima is obviously like he wants to be the leader of the machines because he just wants to lead anything. So he puts himself forward. Uh, but then Crichton suddenly says, well, okay, I'm going to run too. Which he thinks, fair enough, it should be Crichton because he's a mechanoid himself. Yes. Um, and it's quite a funny scene because Crichton's like, um, but sir, I'm a machine. And and, <laughs> and then Rimmer's like, we've got to listen to the voice of the machines. Um, and it's, it's, it's quite funny. It's very well written. Mm, yeah. I mean, quite obvious, yeah. but still very well written. Um so um, they're basically picking their running mates and obviously uh, you're going to get Kat and Lister um, teaming, uh, sorry not Kat and Lister, um, Lister and Crichton teaming up yep. because Lister wants Crichton to obviously win because he doesn't, he can't stand Rimmer, he doesn't want him to win. But And also Rimmer doesn't really have a leg to stand on, he, does, he, he knows that Kat doesn't want to um, mm. be his running mate but he he leverages the fact that he knows about his glasses yeah. against him he he knows that how vain cat is and he thinks people will look down upon him if he's seen to be wearing glasses so he uses that against him and blackmails him into being his running mate yeah. which is never a good way to start a um, <laughs> no but uh, i think a, a campaign probably that's quite common in politics <laughs> oh damn right yeah <laughs> Um, so I mean, of course, this whole episode is like an allegory, and it mirrors what's going on in in America and here and all around the world. Um, the smear campaigns, etc. Yeah, the adverts, the debates. Yeah, it's it's shocking, and they both they both employ smear campaigns. Yep. Um, and f- first of all, Cat and uh, Rimmer do their smear campaign. Basically, it's great because you actually see see little clips from from old episodes of Red yes, Dwarf. Yes, that were funny. Yeah, like and that. you just see how they're incompetent at certain things. Um, and then you see the other way around when, when Crichton and Lister play them at their own game and say, this guy's killed the crew and etc. Um, and I mean, it's it's a good tactic, really. It is good. Even I if ha- it's not true. Because the whole thing is like, uh, Rimmer and Kat... All they want to do is promise the world with no intention of keeping it. They just no. want to get voted in. Like Trump. Exactly. Yeah. Like Trump promising that wall. Where's that wall now? Exactly. Might- well, that's a good thing. We don't want the wall, Jen. Yeah. But where is it? Um, okay. So it. The, this, this scene, okay. um, I had one problem with okay. it. Just one. Okay. Just one. <laughs> um, so during the debate when they're being asked questions and... Um, I love this scene. Yeah. It's great. But one of the questions, so he was talking about de- how, you know, deleting files. 
and obviously they were talking about it in terms of abortion <laughs> and i i just didn't think that was appropriate i thought it was it was clever writing the mm. fact they were able to twist it into the the, the sort of area of deleting files See, i disagree i think but it's very appropriate because it's, it's the kind of topic that's going around right now and the uh, anti-abortion debate and it's one of the sometimes but i don't think it's comedy it's definitely not comedy, but it's 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 showing you it's, sh- it's showing a mirror up to the kind of stuff that's happening now and putting it in a sci-fi spin on it to kind but of. But I think it was done to get a laugh. Possibly, I mean, there's a lot of Red Dwarf that isn't in the, the best of taste, but I, I wasn't I wasn't kind of like shocked by it. I um, wasn't shocked, but I just didn't think it was appropriate. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, all of this has basis on like real things that have happened, yeah. and they're just like making it into a sci-fi thing. Yeah, but um, as, as a female watching it, I didn't think it was appropriate. Okay, okay. <laughs> I mean, that's I mean, that's a very good thing to bring up because I mean, I'm sh- I'm sure we brought it up in previous episodes, but Red Dwarf as a whole, do you think it's aimed? I mean, it's it's about four guys in space. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Is it aimed 100%, at guys? Like, yeah. I'd I'd love to know because if you look on like Red Dwarf fan sites, there's there's a lot of women yeah, on there. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, and like like growing up, like just as many women uh, I know have liked Red Dwarf as as guys. Yes, but I don't think that's purposeful. I don't think they've they've done that. Uh, the writers and the producers have done that with, yeah. in mind. I mean, there are some. I think that's just happy coins. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are some kind of. I mean, if if you think of back at the start when this was first out in the eighties, some of the kind of women versus men kind of jibes are a little bit strange. Um, and we'll come on to that in the next it, episode because it's how specifically women are portrayed in all the episodes. Yeah. I would say that this is this is not somebody writing with the awareness of any women okay well there's something that happens in the next episode um mcor uh where they specifically say something about the differences between men and women i'll I'll take up with you in that episode okay. next week um but yeah stick a flag in that okay um Put so yeah pin in it <laughs> yeah um but yeah so um the, so they have these debates and and the way that and Crichton obviously wins and the reason why he wins is because Lister and Crichton um persuade an old friend to kind of back them and be on their side yes I, as soon as I saw this I was like Jed is gonna be so happy yeah I love talkie toaster I know you do we see the, the comeback of the <laughs> seminal red dwarf character uh talkie toaster um who last who last we saw on white hole um and who we've been told he's been smashed to pieces but obviously not no he um well, made a comeback yeah well i think which is one of the effects of the white hole maybe um yeah he was just put into like a store cupboard somewhere and um he has been um just sitting there in prime condition it seems yeah, yeah not not too shabby yeah and they have to basically persuade him to take their side and the way they do that is obviously by promising to have reg how many toasters do you to eat about six and a pan of chocolat or something no i think it's i think it ended on 11 11 uh pan of chocolat and something else as well okay to be fair i'd, I'd be fine with that <laughs> yeah it's a lot it's a lot of carb but it's toast yeah but toast yeah and there's a lot, a, of, a lot of what maybe brown toast that's better that's true <laughs> and actually in the very last episode of this series, there's a, there's a little bit of toast in it too. Um, but yeah, anyway, it's really good to see um, 
uh, talky toaster once again because he is one of my favorite characters in in red dwarf i just think he's it's just great mm. but sparingly used of course yeah but obviously um i can't don't know if you remember but he's played by david ross who played the original Crichton set sex uh worker Crichton, <laughs> sex as he called him. <laughs> yeah so that's david ross um and let's play a little game right now oh great of imdb uh, deep dive into imdb I hate you this love game. this I bit daniel okay so David Ross, I'll give you a bit of background. He was born in 1945 in Blackburn, Lancashire. Oh. That should give you a little bit of a clue as to some of the things he's been okay. in. So th- this game, as ever, and you can play at home, guys. That's fine with me. Name three things David Ross has been in. Um, I'm going to give you a clue. Okay. His career started on TV in the 70s. So you, you can Last f- of the summer wine. Oh, okay. Let's have a look. <laughs> That is a good call. Was he in Last of the Summer Wine? No, he wasn't. But I like where you're going with this. Are you thinking about it? I was was thinking. Okay. So not Last of the Summer Wine. (laughs) Some more British classic TV shows. He's done almost everything. Think of a British TV show. Come Um, on, you can do it. Upstairs, downstairs. Where are you going with it? No, that's that is also another good call. So I can I can understand why you pick that. But he wasn't in upstairs, downstairs. Are you being served? You don't have to pick. <laughs> just because I said seventies, you don't have to pick seventies. He wasn't in. Uh, are you being served? One more. Pick something from the eighties or the nineties. You can do this. A British TV. Just pick a British TV the bill. show. Was he in the bill? Have you have you got this back from the uh, from <laughs> Jaws the, of defeat? Yeah, <laughs> let's have a look. Was he in the bill? Yes, he yes! was in the bill. Woo-hoo! He was in multiple episodes <laughs> yes! of multiple characters. Most memorably, in the episode "Supping with the Devil" in the year two thousand, he played, of course. George Maynard. Of course. Um, other things that he's been in. This is David <laughs> Ross now. Um, so he started off doing uh, or just stuff I've never heard of. But then he went on to Boys from the Black Stuff, which was an absolute classic never 80s. Never heard of it. It's, it's an absolutely great uh, TV show, Boys from the Black Stuff. In 1982, he was on, he, he likes his like police dramas. He was on Juliet Bravo. Never heard of it. You've never heard of Juliet Bravo? No. You're, you're a lady. It's about a female police officer. Uh, it's like the bill. Hang on. What? Just because I'm female doesn't mean I watch programs with females. You only watch it. shows that are fronted by females. <laughs> I only watch shows fronted by guys. That's the rules. He was also in Brookside. Oh, that's another classic you, one I usually go for. Yeah, you do. That's why I don't know what you to do and pick it. He was in Bergerac. He was in... Oh, my favourite thing has been is the 1991 classic sitcom that nobody knows, Josie, which is the vehicle for Josie Lawrence from... I remember. Yeah. <laughs> So like, um, this is a little bit of a tangent, but like, because whose line is it anyway? It was like a big channel for ratings bonanza at the time in the nineties, yeah, early nineties. They gave um, there was a couple of spin-offs from that uh, with some of the, the kind of the big stars from it. The two big stars from that were uh, Josie Lawrence and Paul Merton. Obviously, Paul Merton went on from strength to strength, uh, and Josie Lawrence they and gave her alcoholism as well, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> bit dark a little bit dark but then she had her own uh, tv show that was i think modeled a little bit after the tracy ullman show it's like a a sketch a sketch show um and i remember an episode from that and i remember it was quite funny because I, uh, I, I didn't like it yeah a l- little aside m- uh, my sister saw josie lawrence on friday okay in a cafe in east london great there you go um you guys can uh 
take that to the bank. Um, a couple more. He was in Casualty, of course. Uh, and he was also in the Britass Empire in a 1996 Ooh. episode called Snap Happy, playing a pirate. Okay. And also, Goodnight Sweetheart. He's been in everything. Yeah, I think we can move on from him now. Oh, I'm to obsessed be with him. What else has he been in? <laughs> Doctors, <laughs> Holby City, Jed. Casualty. Oh, I could have got the, ch- the Holy the Trinity. Holy Trinity. <laughs> he's, been, he's done the Holy Trinity. <laughs> okay, anyway, enough about uh, David Ross. Um, so, yeah, so. Um, because um, Lister has agreed to this this toast overlo- <laughs> overload, uh, Crichton wins. Um, and after um, Crichton wins, Cat does kind of admit that he um, didn't really want to be with Rimmer, but he was held um, to blackmail. Um, and then they were like, we wouldn't have had a go at you for it anyway, which no one really would. No one no. ever says, hey, four eyes, no. unless like with a, done with like love and a, as a joke. Um, unless you're in the 80s um so um they kind of give him the ultimatum they said either you can go back to being uh, your stupid self or you can uh keep the glasses and be and better yourself and read books etc and the next thing we see it cuts to cat putting the the glasses in the blender he's obviously chosen to be stupid and ignorant um (laughs) which is which is fine with me because that's what makes red dwarf funny um and yeah, and basically, um, what Cat's done as a punishment to Rimmer is lock him in the garbage hold. Great ending. Yeah, loved this. And Rimmer's stuck with it, which I knew yeah. and everyone knew this was coming. <laughs> I didn't. Rimmer was <laughs> locked in there with Talkie Toaster, and Talkie Toaster is just going on and on and on I and know. on, on at him. Um, and it makes Rimmer just scream like he does in, <laughs> in a few other episodes. And he's like, "No toast!" Credits. Brilliant, loved brilliant it. episode. Really loved it. Absolutely loved it. Um, what can I say? This is it's a real return to form yes, after the thank goodness the absolute horror show horror show abortion <laughs> of an episode last time. Jed. We're going abortion heavy in this episode. I'm really sorry because I'm, honestly, that last episode nearly made me give up on this podcast. But this one has brought us <laughs> yes, back. Yes, we're back on board. We're it's back great. to two thumbs up. Yeah, and it kind, of, it kind of makes you think like if they can produce an episode as as just absolute quality as this the writing's amazing just just the acting is superb in this yeah the setups the sets um talkie toaster and you know the thing the great thing about bringing back um old characters like this it doesn't feel forced like it did an emo hawk polymorph yes. 2 wow. which felt really forced this it just felt natural okay that because it makes sense that yeah. they've been talking yeah. about yeah. and i hope he comes it's a game back. changer yeah i hope it comes back i want to see a spin-off with talkie toaster <laughs> i don't i'd write it okay i'd write it uh buddy cop show me and talkie toaster um and the criminal overlords called toast man or something anyway so we've come to the end of the episode yeah um and don't forget, at the end of the series, we'll discuss where, where this sits and what oh, order yes. this sits in. Um, but for me, already, this has been the best episode so far, I think. Yeah, I mean, I loved the first episode a lot. Um, right. I think <laughs> this one sits right up there with for me. I think yeah. it's difficult for me to choose one over the other. I, I really loved both of them. Okay, okay. Well, well, we'll come back to that at the um, end of the series, which is a couple of weeks away. Um but yeah, what what are your thoughts, guys? What do you think about this episode? Please let us know um, on Twitter. You can find me at Jed Shepherd, J E D S H E P H E R D, and you, Daniela, at Daniela with one L Phillips. That's right. See, that's really confusing because Phillips has two L's in it. I know. So. It mess you up. <laughs> but yeah, you'll be able to find out on on that. Um, and we've got a great episode to look forward to next week. I know. It's called MCore. 
and uh, can't wait to talk about it with you guys. Um, and yeah, we'll see you later, Smokeheads. Bye. Bye.